Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Welcome to Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive, making it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Brought to you by Subway, where winners eat. Tribe Talk is also brought to you by Discount Drug Mart, the official drugstore of the Cleveland Indians. Welcome to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend back at Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland as we start to wind down now with our hot stove shows this week and next week from here in Cleveland. And then we're at spring training, so things will start to heat up a little bit out in Goodyear, Arizona. The team to report this week, Wednesday, pitchers and catchers, shortly thereafter the rest of the roster and then it's some good baseball news, hard baseball news from Arizona and Florida as teams begin preparations for the 2016 season. So we're happy to be with you today. Good show lined up. We'll visit with a friend of the program, MLB.com's national columnist, Anthony Castrovince, talk about the offseason, some of the key storylines throughout Major League Baseball as well as Cleveland, and uh, get some of his perspective on that as spring training is set to begin. We will also continue with our look around the American League Central Division, the rivals for the Indians, the teams they play 19 times a season. This week, a Minnesota Twins preview, one of the surprise teams a year ago, and Corey Provis, their fine radio voice, will be joining us as well today. We'll hear about some of the new food options in the renovated portion of Progressive Field, set to hit this season at the ballpark. And we'll fill you in on some signings this week by the Tribe as we get rolling with Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Great to have you with us on this chilly winter weekend. More seasonable, more what you expect in this part of the country in the month of February. And 
We'll try and warm things up for you today with some hot stove talk. Anthony Kastrovins joining us, good friend of the program, longtime writer now, and he does it for MLB.com. He's one of their national columnists, but local here in Cleveland. Uh, this is where he makes his home. Used to be the Indians beat reporter for MLB.com. And uh, we'll talk to Anthony a little bit about how the business has changed somewhat from uh, newspaper heavy to now that online presence, even for newspapers. And, of course, uh, he's online presence exclusively with MLB.com, but it is a changing industry. We'll talk to him about that in a little bit. But first off, spring training right around the corner. It's been an off-season of following the transaction wire and trends throughout the game, some changes, teams making moves. And uh, Castro says, hey, it's time to put that to bed and, and get to spring training sites and see some baseball and, and get things rolling from that perspective. Absolutely, Rosie. And uh, always good to see these things that we've been writing about for months put into practice, you know, into real live human beings on a baseball field. Um, because, you know, we sit around all winter and we say, oh, this team got better, that team got better, we project this and that. But the truth of the matter is, uh, until you start to see these teams in action, uh, and I know it's the exhibition season is, is not the regular season, but it still matters because uh, you still pick up on things um, that weren't necessarily obvious just sitting here uh, and looking at things on paper in the winter. So always an exciting time of year. And maybe we, we say this every year, but it seems like this season – there are more free agents still out there at this point in time than there have been in the past. And do you see that? And, and if so, main reasons why from, from what you can tell. Yeah, there's more than 60 guys as we sit here today, still, uh, uh, still big league free agents out there. And obviously uh, for a couple of those guys, there was the draft pick compensation issue that holds up their market. But for a lot of them, it's just a simple function of the way the game is trending. I think it's trending younger generally. And I think teams are more willing to go the young, unproven route than maybe they were in years past rather than, uh, you know, giving a, a million bucks or a couple million bucks to, to some veteran with lower upside or lesser upside, I should say. So, um, and, you know, there's some unfairness to that because experience does matter. And, and, you know, what a guy could bring to the clubhouse, we've seen how that can matter. Um, certainly nobody projected an impact from, from Jason Giambi uh, back in 2013 for the Indians, but he made a big impact with, with his clubhouse, so, uh, what we brought to the clubhouse. So, um, so I, I see both sides of it, but I, I think that's really the heart of what's going on here right now is they've just, teams just have better evaluate, evaluation tools, a better way to project, what they can expect from a player, and they're they're putting that into practice. And and you look at production numbers. And I had a column about this on MLB.com recently. But um, you know, you look at the production from the under 30 crowd now versus what it was even a decade ago. And you look at the production of the over 30 crowd now what it was versus a decade ago. And it's a stark difference. Uh, just the game's trending younger in general. From the experience standpoint, could you see? a flurry of activity early in spring training when teams get into camp, see what they actually have and say, you know what, we need a veteran bat around here or a veteran arm around here to, to make us a better ball club. Yeah. I suspect you'll see some of that because uh, that's the thing, Rosie, it happens every year. Somebody shows up fat, somebody shows up hurt. Uh, you know, somebody gets hurt in those early, uh, in those early workouts, just, just things evolve. It's, it's just the natural part of the process. Again, of, of 
having actual human beings on the field. And, you know, so you'll see more of that activity. And then on the other side of it, there's just the desperation of the player on the other end. And maybe the contractual wishes. Uh, I'm not sure a lot of these guys who are still great at this point, you know, really hoping for a big league job, you know, a, a guaranteed roster spot. And, you know, the attitude kind of changes when, when cabins start to open. And, and now it's like, well, okay, I'll take the, uh, the invitation, the, the minor league contract and, and the invite to come in and, and try to prove myself. Um, but yeah, as of right now, there's just, there's not a lot of 25 man roster opportunities out there. And so you're going to have to see some guys uh, potentially come in and compete. And, and again, there will be, uh, it'll be, it'll be fluctuating as far as what is available because things happen in spring training. We see that every year. Anthony Castrovince joining us, columnist, MLB.com. And Anthony, uh, one or two stories that, that really has you intrigued that you'll be following this spring to, to see how things transpire and, and even on into the first month or so of the regular season. Yeah, there's, there's a bunch out there. You know, one jumps out to me. Well, obviously, you know, in, in Cleveland, the, the big question is Michael, Grant, Michael Brantley's progression. And, you know, he, he certainly progressed well since the shoulder surgery, but you just have to hope that, uh, you know, there, there's no setbacks there, medically speaking, um, and that he's able to continue to progress in, into the hitting and, and get back in a timely matter. But, uh, but also within the division, uh, Miguel Sano is, is really an intriguing guy for me in the spring training camp because we saw what his bat is capable of last year in a DH role. And now uh, because the Twins went out and signed uh, Byung-Ho Park uh, to be their DH uh, and, and not wanting to relegate young Sano uh, to DH duties for his entire career, they're, they're going to try him out in right field. I think that's going to be a very interesting experiment for a guy who's, uh, I think, like six foot four and 260 pounds. Uh, and Corey Hunter will be in camp working with him. So that's a that's a big uh, talking point in AL Central as far as I'm concerned because we, we saw that Twins team uh, uh, made a, a great rise up the standings this year, and, and so much of their lineup is, is now predicated on, on Sano sticking in right field. So see how that works. Uh, there's a, even the Royals have a legitimate position battle uh, uh, going on at second base despite uh, the money they're paying Omar Infante. They're going to give Christian Colon a chance to – to win that job and uh, right field is, is, is a matter as yet undecided. I think they're going to try to go with Gerard Dyson there, but there, there could be some competition there. Um, so there's, you know, there's a few spots of legitimate competition, which is what you like to see in spring training. like to switch gears a little bit now with Anthony Castrovince, national columnist for MLB.com, but Cleveland based and a former Indians beat reporter for uh, Indians.com. And Anthony, you're on that national side now. And having done the beat and followed that, that one team throughout the spring, uh, do you like this better where you, you kind of hit a camp for a day or two and, and then try and, and get to another one and, and see what the big stories are in each camp uh, really almost on a day-to-day basis? I do. I enjoy it quite a bit. Uh, it's, it's fun navigating around all the sites. It's much more fun navigating uh, Arizona uh, than Florida, as you know. Rosie, uh, Florida can, can kind of suck the life out of you, uh, uh, you know, driving uh hitting a toll booth every five minutes and, and just crisscrossing the state but um but but they both have their charms for sure and and, and yeah i mean i have the luxury everywhere i go every camp i go to just think a little more big picture and um you know it's not the the daily grind of, of the news and notes and how's this guy's knee and how's this guy's elbow and how's this guy's uh thigh you know whatever is going on um you know 
when you spend six or seven weeks with one club, you get into that, uh, as I used to call it, the excruciating minutia, to borrow a phrase from Seinfeld. Um, you know, that, that stuff is fun, but it, it's also pretty fun to get all kinds of different perspectives from all around the league. And so spring, training, spring training is just a great time for someone like me because, uh, you know, people in my position from the reporting side, just because it's so laid back. Uh, guys are so relaxed and loose and, and you can have, you know, really good conversations with players that, that maybe you wouldn't have uh, while they get prepared for a regular season game. Um, the access is unbelievable on those backfields, uh, you know, with the executives uh, milling around or just the coaching staff. So it's just a great time. Um, and, you know, the weather helps too. When you look at your business and how it's changed since you've been in it, you earned that position with, with Indians.com, I think, very early on in the age where fans began to get their, their information off the Internet or uh, maybe not even off their phones at that point as much as they do now. But uh, you look at the business, and, and even yeah. the newspapers and, and the beat columnists there have to have an online component to that. But what what led you to the dot-com side at a time when it's not what it is now uh, and nobody really, I don't think, could could foresee how it's exploded. Yeah, you could, you could, and you certainly couldn't see the way it exploded. You couldn't see Twitter and, and Facebook and all these things, but you could definitely see the way the business was trending. And I came out of college in uh, 2003, and you could see where the opportunities are starting to align and, and where they weren't. Uh, the newspaper industry was uh, beginning to change quite a bit, and it was it was harder than ever to, to find a job within that industry. You know, I, I grew up, you know, wanting to write for the plain dealer. That was my goal, and that was my goal for much of college as well. But uh, by the end there, uh, you know, the opportunity was there uh, with MLB.com, a company I'd done some freelance work for, and I was able to do an internship with them. And, and I really saw that it was just a great place to to grow as a professional sports writer covering a professional team. And, you know, that opportunity was pretty special because if you think about it, you know, usually the newspaper route uh, could have come out of college. And if, even if you're lucky to lucky enough to land a job at a major metropolitan newspaper out of college at that point, you're much more likely to, to spend several years, uh, you know, covering high school beats and, and things of that nature. And, and hopefully work your way up, whereas I had the opportunity to step right in and, and learn from some really good people, um, you know, how to cover a major league team. And it was just it was just an enormous opportunity. And I, I hopefully made the most of it. And, um, you know, I never felt, uh, of course, working for uh, a league affiliated website, people, uh, some people were leery of that at that stage. Um, I never felt compromise you know in my ability to, to tell the truth and, and to say what was going on in the field and, and to do so in a fair manner and that's always been the case and uh, I've just had a great opportunity to, to continue to grow as a writer and take chances and, and be creative and uh, they've supported me every step of the way so it's been it's just been an absolute pleasure working here and I'm I'm proud of our company I really am it sounds cheesy but I'm proud of what we've become because I think it is it's becoming more of a, it has become more of a go-to source for baseball fans. I think people realize we have really great content and we're starting to see it now, Rosie. And it's unfortunate where there's many instances where we are the only traveling beat writer is the MLB.com beat writer. Uh, there's many, there's going to be instances in, in spring training where our Indians writer, Jordan Bastion is going to be the only one covering the team on, on a daily basis. Um, that's frustrating for me, you know, 
working so close with, with so many people in this industry on all sides of it. Um, but, but it's definitely the way it's trended. And, uh, you know, I, I, I put our coverage up against anybody else's. Once again, a full-service interview from Anthony Kastrovitz. <laughs> baseball music, the business of reporting on baseball, no stone is unturned here at Tribe Never. Talk with Castro. <laughs> Thank you, you pal. Can, buddy. <laughs> hey, I'll see you out in Arizona when you get there, and uh, good luck in your travels. Can't wait, man. We'll see you soon. That's Anthony Castrovins from MLB.com, national columnist there. Some great perspectives not only on the game today, but the business that he is in and how you receive your baseball information and sports news, for that matter, uh, and the changes that have taken place in that area. Stay with us. When we come back, we'll continue with our American League Central Division team previews. The Minnesota Twins on tap this week with Corey Provis, their fine radio voice. That's coming your way shortly as we continue with Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk on this sub-zero weekend. Maybe not that cold, but uh, pretty darn close. Woo! This is uh, more what what we expect this time of year. And a little bit to the north, dealing with harsher temperatures, Corey Provis, the radio voice for the Minnesota Twins. As we continue our look around the American League Central, the Twins, nice surprise last year, an 83-win season for a team that had really struggled the prior four seasons, closing in on 100 losses in each of those years. And, uh, for sure, over 90 defeats in each of those four seasons for a franchise that has had some real proud moments, especially since the turn of the century uh, from 2000 on. They had been a, a bellwether of consistency in the American League Central Division before that rough four-year patch. But a new manager, Paul Molitor, their uh, Hall of Fame player and and really did a fine job in the managing department a year ago turn that team around some young players starting to hit in the major leagues and uh, Corey brings us up to date on that and he said it, it absolutely was the type of season that the town of Minneapolis needed from their baseball team after a tough stretch I think it was a huge huge step forward uh just because of you know the, the losses that this fan base endured in the four prior seasons, losing 90-plus games four straight years after just that great decade of Twins baseball was was kind of a slap in the face. And then to see this team a year ago when they had no expectations come out and, and play, like you said, play relevant baseball in September was a great experience for this young team. Uh, they have many, many young players, both on the pitching front, position front, that are going to be relied upon now to take another step now that they got that taste what can you do year two uh, and that's that's going to be a big question for this team in 2016 and it seemed like an excellent response to first year manager paul molitor first year as a manager but obviously the, the great playing experience what surprised you about what he was able to, to get out of that team a year ago from speaking with the players and, and i and i get where this was coming from the thing that, that Paul did well, and this was rather public, uh, Rosie, was that when he would do his daily media sessions, he very rarely brought up his own career. He could have had ample opportunities to play when I played that card, if you know what I'm saying. He didn't do that. And I think that resonated with the players in the clubhouse. You mentioned his Hall of Fame credentials. At times, he made a very challenging game look so easy. 
it's not an easy game. It's a very difficult game, and I think the players in that clubhouse understand that. And I think they appreciated the fact that he didn't go that route day in, day out, bringing up his career or this at bat or this pitcher reminds him of so-and-so. And uh, when he spoke, people listened, and that, that, was, that was clear. Uh, if it was a young player, even more so, but even if it was a veteran like Torrey Hunter or, or Joe Maurer, these guys were listening. And, uh, you know, Paul was always a, you know, known to be a student of the game, trying to pick apart teams and steal some signs if he could as a player. And he was he had that same mindset as a manager, and uh, it was it was a great thing to watch him do it for the first time at any level. He had no managing experience at any level before last year, and he exceeded and then some in 2015. So now we're through most of the off season, spring training right around the corner, and the Twins, at least acquisition wise, not exceedingly busy during the off season. What's the the general feeling now heading into spring training in terms? of improvements to, to build on the success of a season ago. I'm sure there's some disappointment, and I just see where this is coming from from a, from a fan's standpoint. I think there were glaring needs with this team, uh, Rosie, entering the upcoming season. Offensively, they needed, they needed some more power in that lineup, and we saw Sano, and he's going to provide a best power. But, you know, if you look at some of the raw numbers where the team ranked offensively with OBP and slugging, uh, they were near the bottom, and not just the American League, but in all of baseball. And, and they needed to address their power. And so they, they're taking a chance. They signed a Korean slugger named Young Ho Park, who amassed more than 100 home runs in two seasons, the last two years in particular, in Korea. Now he's going to make – it's going to be an adjustment for him. And I don't think anybody will be surprised if he comes out. Strikes out a lot, struggles there April into May. But if you recall Pittsburgh, for example, they had a Korean player, Young Ho Gung, what a fine, fine year before he got injured. He went through that kind of slump. He went through that kind of transition period early in his first big league season, and the Twins are hoping that Park will maybe have something comparable to that in 2016. The second glaring need was the bullpen, and that really wasn't addressed. And what Terry Ryan was saying often about that was that they feel that they have some up-and-coming power arms in the system, and that he didn't want to block their paths by signing a veteran to a three- or a four-year deal, and, and relievers got a lot of money. I think you saw that as well this winter. But Terry is putting a lot of trust in a in a system, in his farm system, that this next wave of talent, now that Buxton Sano and even saw Max Kepler late in, uh, in 2015, the next wave is really more pitching-oriented from the starting standpoint, Jose Barrios. But getting back to my bullpen point, you know, names that are not big names right now, but guys like Nick Birdie and Jake Reed and J.T. Shagwa and Taylor Rogers and Mason Melitakis, those are names to remember when you kind of think about the Twins' bullpen when we get to June, July, and in August. And how about the starting rotation? Because in the division, uh, there's some teams that can roll out some pretty good starting pitching. And, and do the Twins feel that they can have a repeat of a year ago when, when they got some pretty good starting pitching? Well, they're, they're hoping that it's, they're hoping that Irvin Santana is going to be there for the full go. And that was, that was such a, such a shot in the gut last year, finding out the last day of spring training that Irvin Santana, your, your big free agent starting acquisition is going to sit out the first half for testing positive for, for a steroid. And uh, nobody felt bad for him, nor should they. Uh, he did that to himself, did that to his teammates, but now they're hoping that Irvin can provide a full year of, of service. And, and he was good. I mean, he, he was a, he was a solid, solid uh, starter last year and gave the Twins rotation an element they did not have, kind of a strikeout element. Uh, and then another young guy, Tyler Duffy, whom you saw a lot of uh, in September as well, he came up with some big starts too in those critical 
stretches of play, Duffy's not guaranteed anything. I think there are three starters that are locks right now, Rosie, in no particular order, but I mean, Urban Santana, Phil Hughes, and Kyle Gibson, those three are locks. Then you're going to have about maybe five guys competing for the last two spots. You know, Tyler Duffy's in that mix. Tommy Malone from the left side will be in that mix. Trevor May, who finished the season last year out of the bullpen but spent the bulk of his career as a starter, he's going to go into camp as a starter. And then there's Ricky Nolasco, who's halfway through a very disappointing contract, a four-year deal. The first two years have been disastrous. Some of that's with injuries. Some of that's with performance. And he's not guaranteed anything. He's got to go out and, and win a job and earn a starting spot here in camp. Corey Provis joining us, the radio voice of the Minnesota Twins. We're talking Twins this week as uh, we take our look around the American League Central Division here on Tribe Talk. And uh, you, you've touched on good young talent. You mentioned some of the bullpen arms coming soon, uh, position players. We've already seen some of them. And uh, Miguel Sano, very intriguing because, uh, my goodness, the, the power potential is there. Uh, Where is he going to play next season? What do you think? He's going to be in right field. Uh, that that's kind of a, a new change. He's never played the outfield before. He was, you know, signed as a shortstop, uh, but then he was playing third base throughout his uh, minor league career. But with Torrey Hunter retired and Trevor Plouffe uh, showing no signs of losing that spot, uh, Miguel Sano is going to play the outfield, and that's going to be a huge storyline, Rosie, for this team. Nobody knows how it's going to go. Torrey Hunter is going to be in camp as kind of a, a special instructor. And as Tori says, Miguel every day is going to be going through Camp Tori. And that'll be how it looks. But Sano is going to be in right field. He's got a he's a massive, massive man. Hard to call him a man. He's still a kid, but he's a massive person. And he's going to be in right field. I mean, he dwarfs Joanna Cespedes. And Cespedes is no slouch either. But that's how big Sano is. So Sano is going to be in right. It's Buxton's job to lose in center field. He's not going to be handed that job. And Eddie Rosario, who was fantastic last year offensively, defensively, he's going to begin the year in left. And you know, it's interesting because it's not every team in baseball, but there are certain teams who go through a stretch where you hear about their prospects for a while and you wonder what it will be like when they finally get there. And, and I think the Royals are, are living proof. Uh, sometimes it takes a little bit at the major league level, but they had faith in the Hosmers and the Gordons and, and the Canes and others. Uh, is there that feeling with the Twins right now that, that a farm system that's been highly rated for a while is finally ready to start producing and be the, the backbone of the organization now? Well, I think, it's up to, I think it's up to the pitchers to really allow this organization to believe that, yes, we can have a really good three-, four-, five-year run with this young talent. If you go back, too, to the Royals and bring up a great example, look at how often those Royals teams won in the minor leagues. All those guys won together. They won you know, league championships and division championships throughout their minor league careers. That's what the Twins have. I mean, a lot of these guys that you're seeing, even a guy like Tyler Duffy, who's won a lot of rings, Buxton, he's won a lot of minor league rings. All these guys have won together in the minor leagues. So there is that background that, yes, it, it can happen. It's happened before. Who's to say it can't happen again? But, Rosie, as you well know, you can have this great offense. You can have all these great individual offensive players. You still need pitching. And and this next wave of talent, as we touched on earlier, is going to be more pitching-oriented. How will this group do when they take this next step? And some of these guys that you're going to see that I mentioned earlier, these are starters who are going to be maybe tried out initially out of the bullpen to help you know fill a void, fill a need for the time being. How will they do? Can we really trust some young, untested arms in the second half of the season? in spots they've never been in before, 
throwing in big league games they've ever thrown in before. And that, that we don't know. We have to wait and let see how that's going to play out uh, as the season moves along. And in closing, from where you sit, as someone who follows the Twins awfully closely and the American League Central, an intriguing division, uh, a team or two that, that you think could, could really make some noise this season in the Central, if it's not the Twins. I, I think finally the Tigers had a really good winner. Uh, don't you? I just think that the Tigers, at last, they addressed their bullpen. I mean, that was always their problem. That was always their, their Achilles heel. And I, I think that they brought in some new faces to that bullpen that I think that, that I think may work. Their, their lineup is, is going to be nasty. Uh, I, I love their lineup. And Verlander showed glimpses of, hey, I, I'm still Justin Verlander. I know, you know some of the stats aren't pretty, but his second half was really, really, really good. Um, I think Daniel Norris was a good pickup, too, in the, in the trade with Toronto. Uh, so, I, so I think the Tigers are good. Uh, the White Sox have had another good winner. They've, they've done this before, but they need to prove it to me. I think they need to prove it to themselves and their fans because they had a really good winner last year, and they were terrible on the field in 2015. And I will not count out the defending champs, the Royals, uh, even without Greg Holland, you know, Wade Davis, terrific, Herrera, the back end of that bullpen. I'm somewhat surprised that Alex Gordon resigned. I, I thought that he was just going to go elsewhere, but I think that's good for the team, good for that fan base, that, that a guy that grew up a Royals fan is is going to keep playing there. And uh, so I like that team. And, and what's not to like about the Indians? I think they have the best starting staff of any team in the division. Uh, and you got that right-handed bat now. Can Napoli be that right-handed bat that you've been searching for? And, and I hope, as a fan, I hope Michael Brantley is, is, is back sooner rather than later because I love watching him play. He's such a great player, does it all, and the game is better when Brantley's on the field. Well, it's amazing. Everyone you talk to, when you ask them about the division, they mention every team <laughs> and then, and some I, of the, the high points I, I, for I every team. It's a great division. It yeah. really is a good division. You know, Rosie, I, I, I mean, I'm going in th- thinking that the Royals are the team to beat. Why not? They're, mm-hmm. they're the world champs. Their, their roster looks basically the same, minus, you know, Johnny Quaid and a few other guys. Who's to say in Denzobers? That, that was a key piece last year as well, but I'll pick the Royals, but then I saw one projection, I think it was Fangraphs, that had the Twins finishing last, but only out of first by like six games. So so that that's what I think we could see. I think we could see a really, really fun competitive division throughout throughout the uh, 2016 summer. Boy, a lot of good divisional games coming up, no question. Corey Provis, thanks so much for, for coming by, and we'll catch up with you that, that first month of the season when these teams play each other a couple of times. Sounds good, Rosie. When you see Tommy, uh, kick him in the shins for me. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'll wait for you to do that. <laughs> i, I got to work with him every night. <laughs> That's true. All right, buddy. Thanks, pal. That's Corey Provis, the radio voice for the Minnesota Twins, talking some Twins baseball. And there's 19 games. It won't be easy for the Tribe as they try and win a division and a very competitive division, as Corey was mentioning. At least it's shaping up that way, and it's going to be something, the divisional battles between the Indians, and the Twins, Royals, Tigers, White Sox. Should be good stuff once the season gets going. We'll fill you in on some transactions this week for the Tribe when we continue after this timeout on the Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland where the renovations are continuing. Despite this weekend's harsh weather, it actually has been a a pretty nice winter, as you know throughout this area and uh, the guys working on the construction project mainly behind home plate and then on down the left field line have uh, been able to work in, in some easier weather than a season ago when the major renovations to the ballpark took place 
out in right field. Also, the scoreboard going up. Things looking very good in that regard. The ribbon boards uh, around the upper deck and lower levels as well. Uh, really looking sharp and everything coming together. There'll be some new food options in the ballpark. And uh, we'll fill you in on, on some of those right here. Ohio City Burrito is coming to the ballpark. That'll be one of the those uh, neighborhood restaurants that uh, the Indians have really been focusing on these last couple of years. Uh, just to name a few, last year, Sweet Moses and also Melt came to the ballpark, among with uh, others like the Great Lakes uh, Brewery. So a lot of good things going on, and, and the names and lists go on and on. But some of the new ones include Ohio City Burrito, and we had a chance to catch up recently with Mickey Pizzuli, who is uh, one of those who's making it happen over at Ohio City Burrito. And uh, she said uh, they had to do their due diligence on whether it made sense to come to the ballpark, but in the end, uh, a good decision, certainly. I mean, we were definitely initially really excited. There were some things that we, questions that we wanted answered, you know, that we had to figure out. Um, obviously, partnering with somebody else for a growth opportunity, there's some things that you um, need to know before going into that. But I'd say it was pretty close to a no-brainer. We were excited at the opportunity to be in the ballpark and um, seeing some of the stuff that they had did in Phase 1 with uh, some of the restaurants that came in and all the changes that are being made. Um, we were pretty impressed. We thought that you guys were doing an awesome job and that, um, you know, was taking it in the right direction as far as where the stadium was going. Um, having some local businesses in here and restaurants in here, I think that really makes coming to the game more Cleveland. You know, you get an experience. You're not just going to a bunch of cookie cutter establishments. You know, you're going to actual Cleveland businesses and restaurants and being able to see what Cleveland's all about. So that's the cool part. I think it's a really unique idea. That's Mickey Pizzuli from Ohio City Burrito. Also coming to the ballpark this season is the Happy Dog. Great spot in uh, the Gordon Square area of Cleveland, uh, just off to the, uh, I guess you call it near west side. But uh, Sean Watterson runs the show over there at the Happy Dog. And uh, he said there was a little apprehension at first when the idea was floated to to set up a stand at the ballpark and be a part of everything good that's going on food-wise at Progressive Field. But uh, after much careful research and talking to some of the folks who had done it a year ago, well, it became evident that Happy Dog needed to be at the ballpark. Well, it was a no-brainer in terms of, you know, we're Tribe fans. At the Happy Dog, we're huge Tribe fans. Hot dogs in the ballpark made sense. Um, we weren't sure how people would respond to, to the, local, uh, the local options initially, but we talked, to, we talked to Sweet Moses and we talked to Matt Fish over at Melt, and they just said it's, it's a no-brainer. And when we got that word, we're like, we got to be there. So, And you mentioned that, that kind of looking at what happened last year. Uh, do you just see this as something where momentum builds and, and becomes even better as it goes along and more places like Happy Dog and, and some others come in here? I think others will come in. What's great is it gives the ballpark a, a different feel. It's, it almost feels like it back in the mid-90s, the excitement around it, just the that's the place to be on a summer night is the ballpark again. And what's great, too, is we're friends with a lot of the people who have moved in here. So to be able to be in here with our friends and be able to see, walk over and see Sweet Moses, see Fatheads not too far from us, um, Great Lakes, of course, it's just, it's, it's great to be a part of that community and that that community is in the ballpark now. All right, it's Happy Dog, which means hot dogs. But obviously there's much more to it than that. 
uh, I think there's 109 different sauces. <laughs> Maybe not that many. How do you decide? Do you have to cut it back a little bit and, and stream it down to be in here? How, how, how are you going to achieve what makes you unique in here? Well, we're, we're not going to be able to do all 50 toppings. Actually, more than that when you count both sides of town. Um, but we, what we are going to do is... We know some of the combinations that work well, but then we're going to go out to our fans on Facebook and say, you help us decide. What do you want to see at the ballpark? Do you want to see the breakfast dog with the Fruit Loops? Do you want to see the barbecue dog with the pulled pork and the coffee barbecue sauce? Um, for the vegans and the vegetarians, do you want the savory or do you want the fresh? That sort of thing. And we'll have fun with it. And that's right. We will be down there, myself and Jensen Lewis will be Running the show down at Happy Dog on Wednesday night. Hope you can be there. Uh, try and get there early. It'll probably fill up quickly. So uh, things to start about 6 o'clock. And uh, come on down. We'll talk baseball. Have a good time. Have some hot dogs and some beverages. And, and get you ready for the season as pitchers and catchers report on Wednesday. And it's an annual event. New venue, though, this year uh, taking place at Happy Dog on Detroit in the Gordon Square section of Cleveland. So we hope to see you there on Wednesday night. That's going to do it for our show this week. Another edition of Tribe Talk in the Books. One more from Progressive Field in our hot stove editions next week. And then it's on to good year for spring training. So until next week, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. You've been listening to Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive, making it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Brought to you by Subway, where winners eat. Tribe Talk is also brought to you by Discount Drug Mart, the official drugstore of the Cleveland Indians. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.